Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Halima. Hi, Ioni. And hello to all of you listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni and I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester online, in print, and everywhere else. And I'm Halima, the community editor of Polyester Zine and the co-host of the Polyester Podcast. This week, we have an Obsessions episode where we talk to someone we admire very much in the case of this week about something they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with how they generate their income. And And next week, we will have a Sleepover Club episode again. Sorry, Halima, (laughs) just cut in. (laughs) I don't know if you remembered it yet or not. I can remember it. And next okay. week we'll have a sleepover conversation <laughs> where we have all those gorgeous conversations you usually have at a sleepover with your mates. So before we get started, I would love to remind all of you gorgy gorgy listeners to please subscribe, follow, rate and review the podcast. It really helps us perform well in the podcast, helps us find new listeners and it helps us keep up with you. So if you haven't done that yet, please do it. And now, Halima, would you like to introduce our guest? Dun dun dun! We have Mina Lay on the podcast. Hey yo, <laughs> Mina is our digital dollhouse cover star for this season. I'm going to say season because I don't know how to best describe the time period. So if you haven't already read our cover feature of Mina, you should become a dollhouse member, and then you can read it and look at the gorgeous photos. But for this episode, we are talking to Mina about her obsession with old Hollywood film. Hi, Mina. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Before we get into your obsession, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Oh, I'm really bad at introductions. Me too. That's why I get the guests to do it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Mina Lay, and I am a YouTuber. I make a lot of fashion history, costume design uh, related video essays, some media critiques here and there. And yeah, that's. That's all I do. <laughs> all you do. And Mina is also our dollhouse cover star of these two months. It sounds weird to say of two months, whatever. So would you like to tell us your obsession and how you got obsessed with it? Yeah, sure. So the obsession I have is um, old Hollywood movies. And I honestly can't remember exactly when the obsession started because I think it was a slow, it was a slow burn of an obsession. I remember watching um, Casablanca in theaters like three years ago, but it didn't really start 
anything for me. I just remember watching it and being like, wow, that was an amazing movie. I usually don't like black and white movies. And that was kind of the end of that. And it was, I feel like it correlated with just my deep dive into vintage in general and specifically the 1930s. I started becoming very obsessed with 1930s aesthetics and makeup and hair. And I thought, what a what is like the best way to go about learning these things? And it was just to watch the movies, see what was going on. Um, because the 1930s, the movies at the time were very uh, influential to current like the fashion trends and um, hairstyles. So, yeah, I got into the movies, and then I was like, oh, this is actually. This is actually really fun. I actually really <laughs> like these. They make me feel really good. So I kind of just spiraled in from there. Nice. Yeah, I'm wondering when you are watching them, do you have your like work brain on or is it escapism or is it like a bit of both? My work brain is fully off. <laughs> <laughs> I watch them pretty often, honestly. Like anytime I'm just bored, I'm like, oh, I should watch a movie. And for some reason, instead of gravitating towards any new releases. I'm actually really behind on uh, anything released in the 2020s. I'll just go back and watch something um, directed by Frank Capra or Howard Hawks. And so I would say it's it's fully escapism for me. Obviously, if I, if I think of anything that comes up, I'm like, oh, maybe I can make a video on this or, ooh, like, let me try to make an outfit based on this. But uh, generally, I just have a lot of fun watching them. Cute. Yeah, we were talking on um, like an episode last week to Chloe Cherry from Euphoria about like the relationship that you have to have with fashion as an actress. What do you think like the relationship between between like old Hollywood and and fashion was then? But also like, do you think that relationship has changed or is it the same relationship we have with fashion and film now, if that makes sense? Um, Well, I think everything in fashion today has been inspired by something in the past. And uh, it's, of course, been like reinvented. So sometimes it's just like really, really small, subtle things like a drop waist, for instance, like we've seen a drop waist come up throughout the 20th century. But you could argue like the very beginnings of that were the 1920s. And so I don't know. I'm a little lost. What was the question again? (laughs) Um, I suppose I just mean like, okay. So I feel like with past fashion history, for example, especially going back to like the 30s, 40s, 50s, when that was really like the beginning of the modern fashion industry as we know it, um, films were really influential in that way on like what people wear and do you think that relationship exists now in that, like, I mean, I think people would like for it to exist, for example, with House of Gucci and then actual Gucci put of loads of marketing into it. And like, we're trying to get everyone to wear Gucci. But I, I don't know personally if that very definite link is still there as much. What do you think? Um, Honestly, I think the link is kind of weaker, um, mainly Because even though costume design as a category, there's been more interest in it among like the general public. Even when I was doing research for movies that I cover for costume design, it's so much easier to find information about things that have come out recently than movies that came out, you know, in the 60s or something. Like there's just not any interviews that were published during that time with the costume designer. It was very – it's like separate – 
element that went into film that the general public didn't pay too much attention to. But in saying that, I do think that what the uh, modern cinema uh, suffers from is that the costume designers who design a lot of these wardrobes are not really plugged in mm-hmm. <laughs> with with the fashions of this time. I mean, I remember watching um, The Nanny, which is which is a TV show, but right. it was like very influential in terms of 90s fashion. And I thought it was very on the nose with 90s fashion. But today, I haven't really found any movie or any TV show that I've watched that is very on the nose with uh, contemporary fashion. Maybe Euphoria is probably mm-hmm. the best example I can think of, but it's just so few and far between. Like, Emily in Paris is really not hitting it. <laughs> um, even, like, and just Halima like that, is not Emily hitting it. Apologist. I love Emily in Paris. I would die for the show. <laughs> Well, you have to you have to admit that the fashion does not correlate exactly to what you see at New York Fashion Week. <laughs> oh, the fashion sucks, but like I love it. <laughs> it's kind of interesting with something like Emily in Paris or I'm just like I don't know if I'm just like that did it. And to be honest, I don't know if Emily in Paris did it too. Like I'm not really sure on the streaming laws around disclosing this kind of stuff. But definitely in Emily in Paris, it looked like a lot of it was like sponsored outfits by particular brands in which like she just wore the same kind of three, four brands over and over again. And it was very logo centric, which I thought was interesting too. But sorry, I interrupted your point, Mina. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There, <laughs> there was a lot of, I, there's a lot of brand sponsorship when it comes to um, costume design, I've noticed. And that was, that was not too crazy considering how, you know, like there were movies in the 30s that Chanel costume design. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. obviously all the people are, all the, main characters are just wearing Chanel because she's not going to design anything that's not that's not right, Chanel. She is right, Chanel. right. So um, in that way, there is that like brand sponsorship, very loose, loosely using the term sponsorship. But um, I don't know. There's just something that I think today that I feel like the styling is not um, is not representative of how people style today. So even though the pieces are, you know, from fall, winter 2021 or something, it's just the way that the costume designers style them together that doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because in the 1930s, 1940s, there wasn't that much styling that went into these looks. Like women just wore dresses and (laughs) that was it. And now you have all these layering pieces, all these different – crazy accessories. It's just, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, because you mentioned that the first film you watched was Casablanca. That was the first film I watched from that time period yeah. also. Because I did a, so when I went to uni, I did history and film. I dropped film after first year. But um, when we did do Old Hollywood, that was the first movie I watched. I thought it was brilliant. But I was wondering, what movie <laughs> would you recommend somebody who wants to get into this kind of genre of film to watch first? What would really get them in to the zone of old Hollywood? Oh my gosh. I think it just depends on what they, what their actual movie taste is. But my favorite genre within like the old Hollywood um, era is the screwball comedy. And I think that's also a great gateway into old Hollywood movies, which I know Casablanca is not a screwball comedy, but um, I think those are just really fun. There's a lot of fast-paced dialogue. There's a lot of like slapstick humor. 
because what I've noticed is a lot of the friends I have who have trouble getting into um, old Hollywood movies is because they find them boring. Like they're not engaging enough. They're in black and white. The cinematography is very, you know, old because we didn't have the technology that we have today um, to create this like very stunning imagery. And so that's what I like about the screwball, screwball comedy is because I think it's very enjoyable in the sense that it's not just like black and white shots of, I don't know, people holding each other's faces or something. It's it's a lot of talking and it's a lot of fun. What screwball comedy do you like the best? Um, That's a really, that's a really hard one. It Happened One Night is the first one I watched. And I think it's technically the first screwball comedy as well. It's directed by um, Frank Capra, who also did It's a Wonderful Life, which is like my favorite Christmas movie. I also really like The Lady Eve with Barbara Stanwyck and um, let me think, His Girl Friday with uh, (laughs) Rosalind Russell. I, I remember all the women actresses in these movies because also something that I really like about this genre is that the female leads have very strong roles because like the whole idea of the genre is that there's a male lead and a female lead and they go head to head. So it's not just like a male character with like, you know, this submissive woman or like the side woman who plays just his wife or something. It's like they have very equal amounts of dialogue and very equal roles in the movie. Have you seen Bringing a Baby? Yes, I have. <laughs> so good, right? That was one I watched when I was at uni as well. It's so good. Yes, I love Cary Grant. He Same. can do anything. It's he can it's do no wrong because I was actually thinking about how the screwball comedy and how um, today's rom coms just don't add up in any capacity. And I think a lot of the reason is because we don't have any pioneers of the rom-com genre. Like there's no actors and actresses we associate with just being in Mm rom-coms and who do it really well. Like Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn, they are amazing Mm -hmm. actors and they really like made careers for themselves off of drama. And then they did so well in the um, screwball comedy too. So it's like, I don't want to shade any actors nowadays, but it seems like the rom-coms we get are basically just, you know, Hallmark movies or very like non-serious Netflix specials. Uh, Whereas before, like the screwball comedy genre was really like, it was a prestigious thing. Like people wanted to do these roles, like big actors wanted to do these roles. I think that's part of the problem as well, right? Because like rom-coms are so heavily related like they're so heavily associated with female audiences or like female stories so then they're like not taken seriously and given to like actors that maybe are in a weird spot of their career or like as a stepping stone rather than just like its own thing that is worthy of like good plots or like good work or whatever I mean it's interesting that you say that it's uh, a very woman dominated genre rom-coms which is which is true but also something that's interesting is during like the end of the 1930s and for the beginning of the 1940s which is when the screwball comedy was also flourishing is when most people in the theater were women cuz men were off like fighting world war 2 so because women were the ones keeping the film industry like in business hollywood catered a lot to what women wanted to see 
Right, that makes so sense. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think, right, because now you're talking about um, the rom coms and stuff. Shouldn't Matthew McConaughey stayed in his rom com bag? Right? Am I the one? He should have. Like, I, I don't know why he left. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I was really thinking I don't remember I don't remember the um most recent like rom-com icons like Hugh Grant, mm-hmm. um Meg Ryan. I guess they just got older so they didn't want to do it anymore. I do I actually do remember um reading an interview with Hugh Grant and he was like, "Well, I got old and ugly, so I'm not going to do rom-coms <laughs> anymore." <laughs> I would love to see an older couple um, in a rom-com. Me in too. It, I that would be so well, amazing. Oh, Halima's obsessed with Hugh Grant. So I like, love him so much. <laughs> he, was in he was in Paddington too. He played the bad guy. She lied once we seen and it. said she met him at the restaurant <laughs> we were at when we were having a staff dinner. She said she met him, but she didn't. We did. But anyway... I'm, I, love him. I did anyway you should go watch Paddington 2 Mina you really love oh, it oh you should it's really really good oh, the reason I haven't watched Paddington 2 is because I haven't seen Paddington 1 you don't really oh. need to yes you do <laughs> I don't think you need to I mean you don't need to but for your own joy and pleasure and like serotonin like, you should, should watch the first I one I should watch it <laughs> I think I prefer the first one though yeah. I'm not gonna lie is Hugh Grant also in the first one or no 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 he's like the baddie in the second one Okay, uh, a career switch up. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I read in like, an, what is it called? It's called like The Others or something that he did with Nicole Kidman and they were like horrible upstate New York parents. And he did an interview where they were like, again, like, oh, what happened to the rom-coms? And he was basically saying that when he was in all those Richard Curtis films, he was actually just like playing Richard Curtis. Like that's what Richard was like. <laughs> and he wrote all these characters that were like him. So everyone just associates Hugh Grant with like them. But really it was like never his personality. He was just like going along for the ride or whatever, which makes sense. <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. Because I do feel like a lot of Hugh Grant's characters are 
the same. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of plays the same role in a lot of different. That's movies. why you'd like Paddington too, because he has a whole Hamlet soliloquy <laughs> where he's like nothing like the characters he used to play. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you know what I'm thinking a lot of right now is Jimmy Stewart and how he started his his career and all these like very silly screwball comedies and then he did like his own pivot once he got older to Hitchcock. Mm. Oh my god, amazing. Is Hugh Grant the Jimmy Stewart of our era? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure this episode gets to Hugh Grant yeah. so he can be his new best friend for making that <laughs> statement. Um yeah, th- this kind of leads on to a question I was interested in asking you because I feel like a lot of the old Hollywood films, like I don't know if it's a t- like a time gone by thing or whatever, but the way you said like, oh, I don't like black and white films and it feels like old Hollywood era movies are kind of like a cinephile thing to like or have that reputation when really they were just like the blockbusters of that era. Why do you think yeah, as time has gone on, this has happened? Like we feel like they are maybe quite like unattainable or we won't get them or whatever. Um, there's a lot of things in old Hollywood movies that have this learning curve. For example, like the Hayes Code was in place. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you're all familiar with the Hayes Code. Yeah. But like the censorship rules, which I actually learned recently. So you know how married couples like slept in separate beds in yeah. a lot of these movies? I thought married people were actually sleeping in separate beds like in america like i thought that was for some reason a thing that was happening in the 40s but it wasn't it was just something that they had to show in the movie oh my god that's so yeah it was just the Hayes code being like married couple can't have sex either like oh my god we can't suggest that um and there was also uh one rule where it was a woman's a woman always had to have one foot on the floor (gasps) when during a passionate scene which is which is why, why? Like, know, you'll notice in these movies a lot of them will be kind of like slanted on a couch <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the yeah, yeah, yeah. just like the top two toes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so a lot of what people had well a lot of these directors they had to work around these codes and they did a lot of i don't know they just removed a lot of things that people enjoy today like violence booze they're fun in their own way but they had to work around these things that we're so used to seeing in cinema today Mm -hmm. that i think a lot of people who dive into old hollywood they're like what is this why is everyone speaking with a transatlantic accent why (laughs) it's just kind of kitschy now looking back um and it's not realistic in that sense and a lot of the acting is very clunky we didn't get uh, techniques like Method and Meisner until really like the 50s when it came to film. So with James Dean and Marlon Brando, they were the first actors to really employ this realistic acting. Whereas earlier movies, you know, most of the actors are like, oh, rats, like, it just doesn't sound natural. So I think there's a, there's a really big, genre shift between this old style of film and now mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> that's, that's i think why yeah that makes sense okay so this is kind of off topic but also not did you watch ryan murphy's hollywood and what did you think i if you didn't it? watch it because <gasps> okay, i didn't watch it because i heard so many people like say it was bad it. it's and because <laughs> okay thank you i like it that's i like oh, it really? I don't know. I I just didn't watch it because I I love 
the actors so much that I think if I saw something that was clearly wrong or not representative right. like of the actual history, I would get upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like with him, you have to just really either accept that what you're getting is what you're going to get and try and enjoy it for <laughs> what it is, or you will just hate it. Why did you hate it, Halima? I watched like one episode and I was like, this is just terrible. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to give it a try. I just, I can't even barely remember it now. I just knew I violently disliked it. I felt like the best thing about it though was like, the things that obviously just are in the old films but like seeing them now like the costuming and like this the kind of houses they got to shoot in in LA that like haven't been touched since the 30s or whatever or have that are like very art deco in that way like I feel like it just made it really like I was just like oh yeah lovely <laughs> when watching it do you know what I, mean? I also get confused between it <laughs> and Ratchet that other one that Sarah Paulson is in Oh yeah, yeah. So similar. Right? <laughs> I, I couldn't get through that. That was too violent. Neither could I? It was awful. Right. <laughs> I'm just an absolute trash goblin when it comes to TV. I will watch anything and probably enjoy it to some degree and be like, "Yeah, that's good." <laughs> so, do you think that like your obsession with these films has influenced how you dress? Oh, for sure. <laughs> You know, it's like they're all films from the early 20th century, which I don't know. I once again, the 1930s is a huge influence for me in the way that I dress. It's really hard to come across 1930s pieces that are in good condition and not mm. like, you know, with nasty armpit stains and stuff like that. Right. But um, I do try to find them whenever I can. And I try to at least do my hair and makeup in that style to bring like a 1930s element to just like my everyday looks, even if the clothes I'm wearing are not. Um, that old so yeah mm -hmm. I think I definitely am influenced I just think that those movies are straight up eye candy and I do wish they were in color sometimes because I just know yeah a dress would just be so powerful to me if I could see it in color mm -hmm. um, right right oh yeah so also when you were asking me about uh recommendations what a way to go is in color because it's um I believe it was like 1964 when it was made and it mm -hmm. just has like the most jaw dropping uh, costumes. So yeah. <laughs> is that the, that is the pink one, right? Uh, Shirley MacLaine wearing the all pink outfit. Yep. Yes. That is yep. from yep. that yep. movie. She does like yeah, an entire montage because what a way to go makes fun of a lot of Hollywood tropes. So it's like I would mm -hmm. say it's more enjoyable if you're more familiar with the genre, but it's, it's still enjoyable right. as like a whole. Um, so they reproduce a lot of different like movie genres within the movie. So she's dressed up like in these crazy costumes to represent like each era. Oh, Okay, one of my final questions. Um, Halima, obviously you can ask if you have any more. What do you think is like a modern piece of like culture? It can be anything like visual culture that has depicted the golden Holly the golden era of Hollywood well. Oof. I don't <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> um honestly okay the only thing that comes to mind which and it doesn't even depict hollywood but it depicts the era i think mad men does an amazing job depicting the 60s and the marvelous mrs Maisel does an amazing job depicting mm. the 50s and i don't know there's like no actors that are shown that it's not like ryan murphy's hollywood at all but i think they capture right. the the time period really well like the dialogue and also because 
these shows are trying to depict the everyday life of people during that time. It's a lot less censored. Like people say the F word all the time, which you wouldn't hear in a haze coded <laughs> movie. And it gives you a better understanding of what life was like. Because once again, like my interpretation of what the 20th century was like when I was first watching old Hollywood movies was like, oh, it's very sanitized. People were very, you know, they never curse. They always went to church. <laughs> like, but meanwhile, right. it's a totally, it's a totally different environment for the regular everyday person. So I think those are really good. Also, the costume design is really amazing for both those shows as well. Yeah, I haven't watched the new episodes of Mrs. Maisel yet, but I love season one and two. That is my favorite. Yeah, they're really what good. I've never seen Mad Men. That's my favorite show. You have to watch <laughs> Mad Men. Like, I, not even joking, it deserves all the awards it ever got. It's a very, the characters are pretty unlikable, but it's... <laughs> It's kind of like Breaking Bad in that sense where it's like, oh, the main character sucks, but you mm-hmm. but you like the story enough to keep going. <laughs> right, right. I was going to ask if you think WandaVision depicts the time eras that they try and do well. Oh, yes. WandaVision actually does, I think. Right? Um, minus all like the superhero stuff that mm-hmm. <laughs> gets in the way later. I, I watched WandaVision. I'm not a huge Marvel fan, so mm-hmm. I only... Me either. Okay. But I love one division. <laughs> but I didn't understand any of like the this the references they made to other no, Marvel stuff. Yeah, okay. And I and I started not enjoying it once they like zapped out of the TV and started doing like real world stuff. I was like, oh, what is this? I thought this was gonna be a sick yeah. on that. Um but I thought, yeah, that show did a really good job too. And um yeah, I don't know. Like, I just remember also, like, the beds. Once again, they're asleep. And then they, like, yeah, in the 60s when, the, when, like, things get less uh, crazy. But I believe television censorship is different from movie censorship. So mm. they were, mm. they're kind of, like, two different things in terms of, uh, yeah. But you still can't talk about abortion or sex on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, final question. Who is your favorite old Hollywood starlet and why oh that's a really hard one because I like so many of them um and I try not to look back into like their actual lives because it did shatter me a little bit when I read that Ginger Rogers was this like stark Republican but (laughs) so I like after that I was like okay I'm not gonna look too deep anymore but in terms of just like acting um, I love Marlena Dietrich. I love Barbara Stanwyck. Um, I love Joan Crawford. You know, Audrey Hepburn, again, like she was she was like a homegirl from the beginning. <laughs> I, I, I loved Breakfast at Tiffany's and all that. But I think more recently I've been getting into like the older stuff. So yeah, Barbara Stanwyck for sure. I like, oh, Betty Davis. Basically any woman who plays a character that is – more of like a I don't know how would you describe it they played these women roles that were not like nice women or pretty women they played a lot of like nasty women and fallen women quote unquote because they were interested in like the depths of womanhood not just what was good and nice on the surface and they took risks with their careers and taking on these roles and it it obviously benefited them in the future but um yeah I I really like those actresses Thank you 
you so much, Mina. I literally had the best, best, best time. It was so good. I'm glad I got to talk about Matthew McConaughey and Hugh Grant. <laughs> Your faves. My faves. Bloody hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> why don't you get new actor opinions? You need to get new actor opinions or I need to get new actor opinions. You do. No, you do, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that didn't have as much impact because you had to clarify. <laughs> I'm glad I got to talk about Paddington 2. I feel like my life's ambition is to just get everybody to watch Paddington 2. Oh no, not another covert Halima plan. First to make us all think that you're 18 and now <laughs> everyone has to watch Paddington 2. Also a belated happy birthday to Halima. Thank you. Everyone everybody. should Thank say you. happy birthday on Instagram to Halima. Yeah, it's my birthday month, so you can always say it even though it's past the date. Exactly, exactly. We will be back next week with a Sleepover Club episode. But for now, thank you, Halima. Thank you, Ioni Gamble. Thank you to Mina, our wonderful guest. Thank you to Olivia for editing this episode. Thank you to Gina and Gina and Charlotte and Eden and Grace and Hattie and Carissa. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.